Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code URBAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code URBAN, to receive your first month free. Empire. Thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, and Ray Jeezy are out. But you know what? We got a banger, man. It's Beltway Baseball Swag Show Edition, bro. Anyway, we're the urban sports scene, and we're part of Empire Media at ampiremedia.com. Uh, Ampire Media hosts multiple DMV sports sh- sports podcast shows, such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. And you can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the urban sports scene. Also, uh, make sure, because I don't want y'all to forget, make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Also, this show can be found on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows as well as other great content. Don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. If you tweet us and whatnot, we'll read it on the show, man. So make sure tweet, Facebook comments, IG, we read it on the show, man. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T is not in the building, but he would normally say this. Hey, Wole, let's get into our tradition. The pregame, here's what we have on tap. I'll talk about Washington Nationals outfielder Juan Soto rejecting the Nationals' $440 million contract. Jesus Christ. Kevin Nibley from Talking Nats will join me to discuss this. At 8.25, I'll chat about the Baltimore Orioles. My Baltimore Orioles. Magical magical play going into the All-Star break. Tony Petit uh, from Orioles Hangout will join the show to discuss this. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we have a we have a pre-taped interview with Grambling State University football coach Hugh Jackson. Hey, but first, right now, we have the homie Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats on the line. What's going on, Kev? Hey guys, how you doing? We're doing good, man. Kev, just me. So it's gonna be me and you. We're gonna run this thing now. <laughs> We're gonna all run right, this thing. Okay, all right, all right. All right. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm I know you're go. ready, Kev. I seen you on Twitter. I love the energy. I, I know <laughs> where you're going. I, I feel it. So let's go. Let's get right into it, man. Let's dive right into it. All right, the Washington. Okay. All right, the Washington Nationals are are considering trading Juan uh, Soto this month after he turned down a fifteen million a fifteen year, 
$440 million offer from the, from the team. Your thoughts on when you heard that he rejected the offer? I mean, it's an obvious thought. It's that he doesn't want to finish his career with the Nats, you know, which is okay. I, I just think he's a player uh, that we've seen this on social media before. He, I think he wants to be New York, LA, Chicago, big market. Uh, you know, he wants all of that. Uh, you know, the offer the Nats presented him was more than fair. It was yeah. the most money ever presented to a player for an extension in the history of baseball, yeah. you know, so, you know, him and Scott Boris have thrown out this line in the last week or so that, Oh, well, like the AAV, the, uh, you know, annual average yeah. salary, et cetera, you know, it's, it's too low. It's only 29 million, you know? And, and yes, if, if you look at it in a bubble, they've gotten some people to get on that idea where, Oh, like he'd only be the, 19th or 20th highest paid player by average salary, you know, which, which is true, but you know, the nationals offered him that for 15 years, you know, that means when he's 36 years old and he's hitting 220 and, you know, with, with 15 which home norm- runs. Yeah. And he's, which normally happens, you know, when he, when he only can play, you know, 40 games a season, you know, because he gets some, some, you know, lat strain and, and like, doesn't, you know, doesn't want to play for 40 games, you know, look at, Anthony Rendon out there in LA, you know, I mean, that guy misses half a season every year and, and he's only 31, 32, I believe, you know, this would have taken Soto to 38, you know, I'm 43 and I wake up and my arm hurts from sleeping sometimes. Oh you know God. what I mean? Like I you get old, your, your oh, body, your body breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're going to, they're going to pay him. They're going to pay him $30 million a year, more or less, uh, you know, till he's 38 years old. Um, so the, the contract the, the Nats offered was more than fair. Um, so him turning it down, it, it's fine. It's a business decision. Maybe he can get more. Um, I know that they've talked about they wanted to uh, beat or at least match uh, Max Scherzer's $40 million, roughly, per year average, you know, they're using that as a comp, you know, but Max Scherzer got 40 million ish. Yeah. For three years. He got, I think it was like 42, 43. Yeah. But he got it for like three years, not 15. Um, So the Nats made a fair offer. Uh, Soto turned it down. um, And, 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 you know, honestly, it's gotten a little nasty in the last couple of days between uh, the player and the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that, um, do you think that if they, like you mentioned Max Scherzer, uh, and do you think that if they offered him, say, not, and I mean shorter years, and what I mean by shorter years, some, something like like three years and a, a, a lump sum, a lump sum of money, would that be something he considers, or do you think he really wants a long term deal with the annual, like the average amount of um, average for that year, about like forty million? Does he is that what he's really looking for for like fifteen, like ten, fifteen years? Is that what is that what he's really looking for? Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, if I had to just guess, uh, I think the, the, the point you just made is perfect. And, and this is the problem for the Nats, if you're a Nats fan, is Scott Boris, they don't counter offer. So it's like the Nats just offered him $440 million. It's not like he came back and was like, well, like, you know, maybe make it uh, 10 years, 400 and we have a deal and maybe do this. I mean, like they have no clue what he wants. They just say no. And, and basically they force the Nats into bidding against themselves. And look, it's, it's a great strategy for Scott Boris. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to get this guy paid. At the end of the day, Juan Soto, I don't think he's going to be wearing a national. He's not going to be wearing a nationals uniform probably by, I don't know if it's going to be in the next two weeks, but by, by March of next year, when spring training starting, he's probably on another team. And yeah, and that team probably w- would have paid him $500 million in some crazy extension and, you know, good for them and good for, Boris, good for Soto, you know, but that's the thing. The Nats don't, you know, they don't know what to offer. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess if the Nats really wanted them, they could, you know, come back and be, how about uh, 500 million, uh, 13 years. I don't, you know, I don't, but, but it's just, it's just a guessing game. And, and the problem with that is it could just be as simple is, you know, look, we, we know that the Nats are not a good team. They're rebuilding. And, you know, it could just be as simple as Juan Soto wants to be a Yankee or Juan Soto wants to be a Dodger or a Padre, or, you know, we just don't even know because they don't really come back. So to me, it's just like, 
you know, if if you're like uh, I'm married, but if you were trying to date someone, you know, it's like if you keep texting them and they don't write you back, like at some point you yeah, move you on, you, you know. know. And I think that, <laughs> yeah, you already know, right? You know, it's like they're not like giving you anything to work with. So yeah. I, that to me as an ass fan, I feel like that's kind of where we are with Soto and Boris right now. It's just they're kind of ghosting us, yeah. and you know, it, it just might be better to uh, might be better to move on. That's that's where I am. Yeah, because it's it's wild because you hear the argument. His, his thing is that he wants to win. That's that's now the the, the thing he's been stay, saying of saying of late. Like he just wants to win, and they haven't done the last couple of seasons. So I'm like, okay, if that's the case, I feel like you can put the ball in his court. If that's the case, if you want this team to prove to you that they're winning, then how about do a three year deal with a lump sum of money, and then with it, the, yeah, and, and if that work, if they're showing you that they're went, they're they're ready to win now, right, and not play around just trying to win now. Then you're willing to, to 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 sign up for a longer term deal, but just do a three a three year deal with some crazy amount of money, and now that's like a commitment. Now you're putting the onus back on the ball club. And say, okay, he only signs yeah. here because he's trying to win. Now we have to show him that we're trying to win baseball games rather than just total rebuild. Yeah, no, I, I'd even go a little further. I mean, you know, if it was me, uh, you know, the owner, Mike Rizzo, whatever, you know, maybe I'd do something like eight, three twenty. If I, if I just okay. had to have a guy, I just, ha- I just had to have him. Uh-huh. Like, why don't we give you eight, three twenty? You're gonna get paid like crazy. It's you're, you're, you know, you're gonna, that that would be no one's ever given like a three million or excuse me, a three hundred million dollar contract for like eight years. You get yeah. your forty million dollars a year, and you have to have that would get we would get your prime. You know, you would have a chance to have some other team sign you at 30 years old, 31 years old, and pay you for your 30s. You know, and at that point with inflation, et cetera, maybe you'll make even more money, blah, blah. And then that gives us a window, you know, with new ownership coming in. You know, we do have some prospects. Uh, you know, the, if a new owner wants to come in and, like, you know, blow the barn doors off spending like Steve Cohen did for the Mets, then I think that could work out for everyone. But again, you know, if the other side's not going to counter offer, you know, what are we even doing here? You know, that's sort of where I am with this whole thing. And and the thing that's that's really unfortunate is an Nats fan, the guy's not a free agent for two and a half more years. It's not like, yeah. you know, with Bryce, yeah, with Bryce Harper, 2018 was a mess. And that whole season was lost because that whole season became about his free agent sweepstakes and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and last, last night watching the home run derby was so much like 2018 where, you know, we watched that 2018 home run derby that Bryce Harper won in Nats mm. Park. And we're like, well, this guy's probably leaving. And, you know, last night as a Nats fan, you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Juan Soto won the home run derby. I don't care because he's not <laughs> even going to be on the team <laughs> in, two, 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 in two weeks or six months. I, you know, one or the other. But, you know, but, but so, so, you know, I it just to me, it's, it's one of these things where the fact that that. Um, like, you know, look, if, if you want to have a winning baseball team, a championship baseball team, you're going to have to deal with guys like Scott Borish, you know, because yeah. they get their guys the money. They represent the best players. You're going to have to deal with them. And, and these were kind of deals with the devil that this franchise had to make when they were ascending and contending and eventually winning a World Series. And, you know, it looked at, excuse me, it worked out with Max Scherzer. Um, you know, it, it worked out with a bunch of guys. But, you know, Strasburg, Rendon, et cetera, he's represented a lot of Nats. But, you know, at this point, the Nats are rebuilding. And this thing where we're doing a whole, you know, literally the all-star game home run derby was about Juan Soto's free agency two years from now last night. That's crazy. And I think if if I'm a Nats fan or if I'm Ted Lerner or the new owner or Mike Rizzo, whoever, I'm just like getting out of this business for now. Like, let's trade this guy. Let's get four to six prospects you know hopefully two young guys who could be impact players a couple more solid starters they're all going to be cheap we still have that 440 million dollars that's not good enough for Juan Soto to sign other free agents who would be happy to take it you know and 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 that would like expedite the rebuild you know we're just not at a point to be dealing with this uh you know I I asked you on Twitter if I could swear on your show I won't but you know yes basically like we're we're just not like we're not really at this point to be dealing with this you know Mm -hmm. so let's it actually in a weird way this whole the drama of this situation allows the franchise to hit reset I mean you could like Mm -hmm. trade this guy San Diego, uh, the Yankees, you know, you could take their top four or five prospects. Like one of them might even take Patrick Corbin off your books. You could do a lot. A new owner could come in with more or less a clean salary slate 
and, and really, you know, have a bunch of prospects, like a bunch of guys coming up. And, and this team would have a window starting in like 2025-ish. They could go for another decade, especially if someone wanted to spend. Um, and, and, you know, right now, that's sort of where I am. Um, I, I just, that thing today where uh, Scott Boris is complaining that Juan Soto had to fly commercial to L.A. for the home run derby. I mean, that, that to me just felt like the last straw. That, it's like really... Like, well, now, yeah, oh, my God, he had to fly first it's class petty. to Los it's Angeles. Petty. Like, oh, you know. Petty. They real, I yeah. mean, Scott Boris is being real petty, and it's a bad look, to be honest, which even to complain about that, knowing that, you know, what people, you know, people can't afford that. Like, I, honestly, it looks kind of like more va- like vanity than anything when you state that. Like, oh, he has to drive, he has to fly, he has to fly at a lesser value, right? Yeah. It's not – that's not a good thing to talk about, to be honest with you. No, and some people don't have jobs or not. But that's a whole that's a whole new whole different discussion. Yeah, yeah. That we have, you know, there's like a recession exactly. potentially coming. The economy, the economy's been a little strange. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're kind of drawing it back since COVID. But mm-hmm. uh, oh no, I need to. I need to. You know, we everyone looks at. Uh, you know, a hamburger used to cost ten dollars. Now it's fifteen. But yeah. oh no, like Juan Soto <laughs> only had to fly first class. Like you know, I don't, I don't, you know, none of my business. But that just seems like like a crazy yeah, thing to really. It, it just argument. seems like it's getting nasty. Yeah, that's a bad. Yeah. That's a bad thing to put out there. I mean, I, I'm talking about for for him and his client. To be honest with you, you're listening to the Urban Sports and part of Amplifier Media at AmplifierMedia.com. Right now, I have. Talk Nats Kevin Nibley on the line. So Kevin, you mentioned some of the draft picks. What do you think is fair compensation for Juan Soto? I think you start with uh, another team's top four prospects, like straight up, like the top four. Um, definitely the top two. Like, like there's no if if a team wants Juan Soto, there's no like, well, you can maybe pick one of our best two. Like, no, if, if a team wants Juan Soto. Uh, getting him for uh, basically three postseasons. We're, we're talking about if they do this trade in the next two weeks, you get him for three postseasons, three chance to win a title. You know, um, we're probably taking your best four prospects like straight out, and then probably a couple lotto t- ticket prospects like lesser guys that maybe for whatever reason you know the the scouts and the nationals like. Um, so we're probably taking like six prospects total top four for sure um and then a couple other filler ones and then depending on like if there's a bidding war uh if a couple teams get involved and it actually like people want really want to do it and and it forces a team to overpay then you're also maybe talking about a team taking patrick corbin's salary for the next uh, two and a half years as well and getting that off the books I, i think that's like a fair starting place um i do think the yankees and the padres are teams that jump out okay. who uh, b- both of them are desperate in a certain way. Like the Yankees are desperate to get past Houston. San Diego is kind of desperate to break through. Um, they both have some pretty decent prospects. Um, and at least, uh, certainly with the Yankees, they have the money if, to, to dump Corbin on. Um, Padres, I'm not, uh, you know, they, they don't quite have the financial resources. The but, what about the Dodgers? They always have a good farm system. What about the Dodgers? You you could I mean you know I, I don't the Dodgers have their own I, I would never I would never write the Dodgers off the Dodgers were a team that you know if you remember uh, I want to say this is like about ten years ago the Red Sox kind of reset their whole team and they they traded them Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez mm-hmm. they just like traded them everyone yeah. and uh, just just to basically get their salary cap you know just to get their financial house in order and then you know Red Sox came back a year or two later in 2013 won the world series. So I, I, I do think for the Nats, there is like an opportunity is, is kind of strange and out of nowhere, the way the situation has escalated in the last week or so, there's a big opportunity for them to take advantage of it and maybe jumpstart their rebuild. And, you know, sad, I, I think most Nats fans would love to extend Juan Soto and love to be like, this guy's going to be our number, you know, two, three or four hitter for the next you know, 15 years, but it just feels like it's not kind of going that way. And for me, I'm like, you know, as an app fan, I'm like, if this guy could be flipped and we could get, you know, four more starters, you know, young, controllable, cheap starters to go with, you know, uh, Josiah Gray, Ruiz, uh, you know, Brady House, they just drafted Elijah Green, you know, like, like we, they're not, you know, Cavalli's going to hopefully come up in a little bit. Um, it's not the worst outcome. So I do think, though, for the Nationals organization, 
this situation needs to be settled in the next couple months. Like it, it, hopefully the next two weeks, but if not the next two weeks, certainly before spring training next year, it just, this needs to be settled. Either Soto's in that for life or, you know, we rebooted the whole team with a bunch of young guys trading them. It, it's gotta be one or the other is, is how I feel. You you mentioned uh, Elijah, Elijah Green. All right. So the Nats drafted the outfielder. Uh, with the fifth pick of the MLB draft, Green played high school ba- uh, baseball out of IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, what can you tell us about the young, the young, the young kid? He's definitely like a he's the master swinging for the fences with him in a way. He wasn't he wasn't the safest pick, um, but he could have tremendous upside. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like he's like Bitcoin, right? You know, like the people who <laughs> the people who love Bitcoin are like, oh my god, you know, if I buy it now, I'm gonna be a gazillionaire in 10, 20 years, right? And then the people who hate it are just like, oh, it's like now, you know, or you're gonna lose all your money, right? So Green's sort of like that kind of a prospect where um, physically he's amazing. He's the son of uh, NFL tight end. I think Eric Green. Uh, I think his father's name was Eric Green. Uh, he played for the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, he, he basically has kind of a Mike Trout-esque body, and he has um, a pretty elite uh, power tool and speed tool. The question with him is his contact tool. Um, you know, there's a, he had a high swing and miss rate at a certain point in high school that was alarming to some scouts. Um, people have said that through, like, certain showcase games, et cetera, he's corrected that. Um, it's, you know... It, He's he's an interesting pick. It's definitely like a hot, you know, if if it works out, you know, you might have just drafted, you know, like a Giancarlo Stanton or like a Mike, you know, you, you might have drafted a center fielder that could go like 30-30, you know, 40-40, elite power, elite speed, defense arm, the whole thing, the like five-tool player, you know, or if, you know, it doesn't work out, you drafted a guy who's going to wash out in double A because he just can't hit, you know, he can't make enough contact. So, I, you know... I'm not a scout. I'm kind of just telling you <laughs> that those are the takes that I've heard, you know? Um, but, you know, I think, you know, for the Nets, you know, something, a big swing like that isn't the worst idea. Um, you know, they've, they've made big swings before that have worked out. So, um, you know, I, I think he was regarded, he certainly was regarded as a top five pick. I mean, I think MLV.com had him as high as number three. So, he does have his detractors for sure, but he he also has a lot of people who are like, you know, this guy has the best tools of, of any, literally of any player in a draft. So, you know, if you can just develop his contact tool, then, you know, he could be the best player in the whole draft. Well, that'd be awesome, man. Hopefully it does, you know, some, some good news happens for Nats fans. Hey, but, hey, but Kev, before I let you go, can you tell our listeners what uh, you got featured uh, on talknats.com? Maybe you're talking about Soto, Green, I don't know some of the other draft picks and, oh, yeah. and also can you um talk about your uh can you uh put out your social media yeah of course um yeah so go to talk nats it's uh, talknats.com it's at talk nats on twitter a lot of soda talk that's kind of <laughs> you know cons- <laughs> consuming every consuming everything and there's been some good articles lately there there you know we we have articles from uh from some writers like you know we'll have there's an article of like why we should sign Soto for whatever he wants forever because he's <laughs> going to be a Hall of Famer and he's the greatest guy. And then we have articles of like why he shouldn't be here in two weeks, you know. So so you definitely have like the whole spectrum, a, a really good content there. And then, um, yeah, and then me, it's just uh, at K underscore Nibley on Twitter. Um, I probably will get into a lot of arguments on the Internet this week about the Soto situation. For, and then I'm aside from you. that, you know, you, I'm here for you. Don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from that, like a couple movie stuff, just random stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks as always for having me. I really, really hey, appreciate Kev, it. We're going to definitely keep talking, man. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I, I want to have you on if something does go down, if a trade goes down. So I will we'll have you. You'll hear from me. Put it that way. You awesome. Hear from me. All right. Well, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks. Always, always appreciate it. Always a yeah. pleasure, Kevin. You take it easy, all right, my man. All right, take care, bud. I'll take care. All right. All right. Again, that's uh, Kevin Ibley. Um, so that's the you know, from Talk Nats. Uh, you can follow Kev on on Twitter. That's at k underscore nibbly. Again, at k underscore nibbly. All right, my O's are surprisingly five hundred going into the All Star break. Tony Penty from Orioles Hangout will join yours truly after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. You dig deuces.
Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code URBAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code URBAN to receive your first month free. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Wole, the homie Will T, and Ray Jeezy are out, and we are part of Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. All right, right now, I have Tony Penty from Orioles Hangout. What's up, Tony, and welcome to the Urban Sports Scene. Hey, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being on. So, Tony, I'm going to give you a backstory. I am a big Orioles fan, but I have, I'm usually surrounded by national fans. And this is now <laughs> I'm excited. They're out. So I was like, you know what? Since this, I'm going to do this show by myself, I want to talk about my Baltimore Orioles. Like, I want to talk about them because I've been so hyped this season um, since, you know, I've been an Orioles fan since Cal. Like, I've grown up on, on the Baltimore Orioles. And now, like, you know, the Adam Jones, Nick Markakis – Matt Weeders, that whole regime, with, and obviously Manny Machado, and with, with Buck, and you know they brought back you know that that Orioles vibe again, and then we went through the rebuild. But now the, these young these young guys have got me inspired, so I am ecstatic to talk to you about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It, it's a good time finally to be an Oriole fan uh, in a long time, and and it's obviously you can see a lot of fans um, that. Are starting to come back to the team, or interested in the team again, and and that's a good thing. You know, I know there's some people are like, oh, they're bandwagon fans, and they kind of get on them a little bit. But you know, at the end of the day, is there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there, and, and obviously, when your team wins, you're going to have more people that are going to follow them closely and do that. But I just look at it as look, everybody's an Oriole fan. If they want to enjoy it, um, enjoy it, and, and 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 there's a lot of things to like about this team. Definitely, they play so hard. That's what I love about them. So before we talk about the O's. Um, could you tell our listeners about um, Orioles Hangout? Sure. Yeah. So we're we're one of the longest running. In fact, we are the longest running site that covers a professional baseball team that's on the internet. Uh, we've been around since 1996, and um, you know we, we've been covering the Orioles in their minor league system since then. Uh, you know, uh, started off as a just a one page uh, fan page. Uh, you know, just something to kind of to get involved with and kind of eventually turned into, uh, you know, a business. So it's been, uh, it's been a long time I've been doing this. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, we kind of made our niche really the minor leagues. It's always been kind of my niche. I've always had a really big interest in it. Uh, I do a lot of the prospect stuff. I do a lot of my own scouting. Uh, I have a lot of, uh, you know, industry people I can, I can talk with and, and share ideas with. And, and I'm a former scout myself uh, for major league teams. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of my passion portion of it, but obviously also, you know, we, I follow the Orioles and, and talk and discuss them as well. Yeah. And their farm system, this must be a treat because their farm system is strong. Yeah. And, and this is, this is obviously the strongest farm system that I've ever covered. I mean, when you can, when you're looking at the team, um, you know, you can look at any level uh, and find prospects at each one of them and, and good prospects. You're talking about guys that are potential impact players. When you, when you start looking down there and, and you're seeing guys like Gunnar Henderson already up in AAA and, and Westberg and, and then not talking about, you're not even talking about the pitchers, you know, DL Hall and, 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 Obviously, G-Rod, even though he's hurt, you know, you're talking about these are these kind of guys are, are impact players. And obviously, the Orioles have a new draft now. And 
uh, you know, they're, they're hopefully adding to those guys, you know, obviously having the first overall pick and having Jackson holiday gives them a guy that should be an impact guy, right? This is going to be an impact prospect. He should be eventually an impact player at the major league level. You know, you're going to hope with a one, one pick, that he's going to be that guy. Right. Uh, but all the talent is there. And when you add in a guy like holiday, you, you know, you're, you're talking about a top level talent when you're you're seeing guys now graduate off that list like Rushman. You know, yes. he's no longer available in there, but now he's going to become a guy. So it's it's like every year they're they're filling those guys back in. And, that, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and actually, that, well, I like to talk about, the, you know, um, Jackson Holiday, um, obviously the, the son of Matt Holiday, uh, one of mm-hmm. actually one of the. One of the better uh, baseball players out there. He played with he played with the Cardinals, and also I'm trying to think of the other team he played for other than the Cardinals. Um, he's been around after the Cardinals. Um, yep. Uh, I can't yeah. think of it, but Matt Holiday is a solid was a solid 30 home run type of type of hitter. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about his son and, and tell us about what he's going to bring to the table? And he's a guy that you can just is a guy playing shortstop that which will do you think in a major to play shortstop? And also, you know, how do you see him? You know, obviously, being a kid out of high school, when do you think that call up will happen for him? Yeah, sure. Um, hey, by the way, the uh, his his father was also a Rocky. Started yeah, Rocky, off as a Rocky. Rocky, Rocky first, and Thank then the, then the Rocky, Cardinals. Was, but uh, the Cardinals. that's what it was. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's his main guys. But um, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Jackson is a left-handed hitting shortstop. Uh, they believe he has all the tools to stay at shortstop. Uh, you know, he's not a real big guy. He's six one. He's he's built solidly, but he hasn't really. Built, uh, grown into his man strength already. Um, but the good news is, is when you start looking at things um, like, you know, they do the, they do like the K motion sensor type of information that, that judges your torso speeds, your hip speeds, your uh, arms, the hands. He has, you know, pretty much off the chart numbers. When you look at that, he even actually has better numbers than uh, Andrew Jones uh, or Drew. I'm sorry, Drew Jones. Um, so he actually has better. The only person that has better hands uh, than him was uh, Tamar Johnson, who has incredible off the off the chart hand speed. But um, when you start looking at things like that, his EV and the fact that he hasn't even uh, matured into his man strength. I mean, when you look at him, he looks like he's about 12 years old. And, you know, but that's kind of a good thing because you're kind of looking at it. He, he, you feel like when you watch him and you, you just look at him physically, he doesn't look physically mature, yet he's doing physically mature things on the field, which tells you when he does grow into those things. Um, just looking at some of the jump that we saw from Gunnar Henderson compared to when he first showed up when he was 18 years old. And then you look at where he is at 21, you can, you can start to wish and, and, and start to really think about what this, what Jackson holiday should look like. And, and the good news is he's not as big as Gunner. So he shouldn't grow out of shortstop. Uh, so that's a good thing. He should be a guy that should stay up the middle for the Orioles for a long time. How does this for you, how does this Orioles team right now in terms of, you know, the, the young talent, how does it compare with that young talent that we saw uh, not too long with Adam Jones, Nick Markakis, Matt Weeders, um, you had um, Manny Machado, um, also mm-hmm. um, in the pitchers, um, Tillman with you know Tillman, uh, Brian Mattis, all these individuals. Um, how right, does, Zach Kyle, Britton. Zach Britton. How does that? How does this young nucleus compare to that uh, nucleus? Well, when they, when they first started coming up, and you saw those guys. There was obviously a they, you know a different. They came up a little bit at different times when yes. you're looking at when when Jones was up and you know obviously Machado was at it when they were ready to compete. You know that's why he was bumped up so fast. I would say if this team was ready to compete this year, even though they're doing well, I don't really think they're a contender. But if they were a legitimate contender. I could have seen them pulling up Gunnar Henderson and bringing him into the mix and kind of being that Manny Machado kind of guy, right? Where he's not going to be a superstar round bat, but he's going to do some good things for you. Um, so, but yeah, you know, you're you're looking at the beginning of that talent finally making its way up there. You know, we started seeing a little bit even before that with Ryan Mountcastle and all, and Mullins and Hayes, and we saw those guys already kind of make it up here, and they were kind of the very beginning. You know, even the the pre. They're the pre-Elias beginning of some of the drafts that were happening. And I know we talk a lot about Elias has done and his group has done a a ton of great things to build this organization into where they are now. But you you can't really dismiss some of the scouting that was done beforehand because you're seeing guys like Mountcastle and Hayes and Mullins, uh, Mancini um, and 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 guys like that who were, were the previous regimes 
uh, you know, scouting. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a mix, obviously, whenever you have this, but you're seeing so much young talent on the cusp of being ready to come up and help this team. And that's what's so exciting is, you know, it's not like you're looking down there and you're seeing a bunch of 30 plus year olds uh, that are doing well. You know, I mean, there's only one, you know, what, one guy in the starting lineup right now, and that's Trey Mancini, that's more than 28 years old. Uh, you know, most of them are, are 26, 27. They're kind of entering their prime. Um, you're seeing, and then now you have all the guys we were already talking about, Rushman finally making it. You know, you're going to see Henderson at some point very soon. You're going to be seeing, you know, Westberg, and, and, and you're going to see these guys. And, and we haven't even talked about guys like Colton Cowser or Kobe Mayo, some of these other guys, that, or even Heston Kerstad is finally playing. You know, these are guys that have high ceilings, that are still lower lower portions of the minors. So it's a lot of exciting things and a lot of exciting players. Definitely definitely exciting time to be a Baltimore Orioles fan. So, all right, the Orioles are going into the All-Star break, playing 500 baseball with a 46-46 and 46 record. No one thought this, this team would be this competitive. Why, have this, why has this team been this competitive? Well, it's a few things. I mean, first off, I think we saw some of these guys start to mature that we talked about, right? You're seeing – Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes putting together a really solid year. But I'll tell you right now, what's really happened is, one, the bullpen was completely rebuilt. And I don't think that they, you know, the fact of converting Jorge Lopez into an all-star closer obviously is huge. They already had Dylan Tate. But outside of that, they converted Keegan Aiken from a, a, a which is a move I've been saying for about four years should have happened, uh, that he was going to be better in relief. And sure enough, he goes out and becomes this two and three, three inning reliever. And he's been fantastic in that role. It's a, it's a much better role for him. Uh, he can kind of focus on just a couple of pitches and he can really kind of dominate, which is what he's done. But, you know, you got to give Elias credit for going out and getting guys off the waiver wire who have been very, very good. You're talking about guys like Sandal Perez, you know, pulling this guy off the waiver wire. He was a guy that was, you know, he's a, a Cuban uh, exile who they had a, there was some mix up with the, the, the original contract that made him put him on a 40 man roster faster than they wanted to. And basically he ran out of options. And at some point they just, you know, they had to give an, you know, he had got traded to the Reds, but the Reds needed room and they kind of DFA'd him and, the Orioles got this guy in no time. He's, he's basically Tanner Scott's replacement and much better at it. Much better. You know, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if I ever trusted Tanner Scott who, in a game, has, you know? Man. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I wanted him to succeed, but cause he had the fastball sure. was crazy, but yeah. And I, I know you, <laughs> yeah. And I know you're too young to remember a guy named Don Stanhouse back in the day, but you may know that you may know of him or heard of him. He used to be called, they used to call him full pack because he used to make Earl Weaver smoke full packs of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> while he was in relief because he was always walking guys and doing this, but he was a good reliever for a couple of years for the Orioles. But, um, you know, you have guys like him coming in here. You have Brian Baker has been a good pickup. Joey Crable has been amazing. Uh, he's been very good. And then you got to talk about, you know, the fact, the arrival of Felix Bautista. Oh God, amazing. I mean, amazing. I watched him. I watched him last year. Um, I knew of him. Uh, just because the name, and I'd heard he had a good arm, but really was never a prospect, really didn't ever do anything. And then I started seeing the numbers he was putting up at Frederick last year, um, Aberdeen last year, and I went and looked him up, and I, I watched some video, and I went, holy smokes. This guy, who was listed as 6'5", 190, was, two, was 6'7", 270 pounds, and he was throwing 101 miles an hour. And I'm sitting there thinking – Holy moly, this guy is a legitimate prospect. And, and, and to Elias's credit, they pushed him very quickly through the system last year and had him ready to, for the major leagues this year. And now, look at him. He, he's, he's one of the best relievers on the team. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I have a question for you with, with that. It kind of reminds me of Mario, Mariano Rivera and Wetman back in the day when they both uh, – mm-hmm. Yeah, when they both um, – what's it? Yeah, it was Mario with the Yankees. Sure, um, yep. So it reminds me of that. Like, do you think eventually, like, Batista will be the closer in a couple of years? Or you think Lopez has it? Because this has been a great year for Lopez. And he's been, this is, has been, like, this, this, him moving to being a closer from being a starter last season has been amazing. But I, I'm with right. you. I, when, I, when I look at Batista, I see a closer. Like, I see a closer. Right. 
Well, I think without doubt, and, and he's got ice. He's got ice water in his veins. He doesn't get he doesn't get rattled very easily. Yeah. I think. I mean, of course, when you're as big as he is, and you throw 100 miles an hour, it's pretty easy to have confidence, right? But but I, that was that was another thing I really liked about about him when I saw him in the minor leagues was just he had that persona. Like he was like, look, you know, even when he walked a couple of guys. It just you never saw him start to, you know, give up on his stuff or start to try to nibble. He's just like, you know what? Okay, I can walk the bases full, but I can just as easily strike out the next three batters. You know, which he did a lot of times. So um yeah, I do think he could be a future closer. I mean, but the one thing people gotta realize with Jose uh, or sorry, with Jorge Lopez is that he's not a free agent until twenty twenty five. And he's going to be fair. And he, got, he starts in, he's arbitration eligible next year. Obviously, he's going to get a big raise off of 1.5 million this year. But this is, a, you know, you're not talking about a guy who all of a sudden, you know, you're going to need huge money for for the next couple of years. You got a fairly controllable uh, closer. Now, now, if the right deal comes by and you can get some value for him, as in maybe some type of starting pitcher. Uh, prospect who's going to be here for a number of years, right? Not just uh, a rental, right? The Orioles aren't going to be trading guys for rentals, but if you can get a guy where Elias feels like he could be piece of the future moving on, Lopez is a guy you probably would do that for just because you do have Felix Bautista sitting here. Yeah. You know, you do have Bautista. You can maybe move Craybowl uh, into Bautista's role. Uh, Brian Baker has been fantastic since about the, in the last three or four weeks. Um, you know, he's throwing 98. I don't think people realize he's throwing 98 miles an hour. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, this is a guy I saw. And when the Orioles picked him up, I went and scouted him when he was in the Toronto system. And and I, first of all, I was surprised that, that this guy was DFA'd. I mean, he was still throwing 95, 96 in the minors last year. Um, but, you know, you just I didn't see 98. You know, I saw a guy in 94, 95. You know, sometimes he was in 93. And, you know, now you're seeing a guy throwing 98. He's got a he's got a really good, you know, split finger uh, and, and the slider can be good at times. So, I mean, you're, it's it's just amazing how that whole bullpen was rebuilt. I mean, last year there wasn't one guy that came in the game that you felt good about. Not at all. This year you literally can say the opposite. Yeah. It's almost like if they if they give up a run, you're almost surprised. That's how yeah. good they've been. And and that and that's a credit. Yeah, and that's crazy because it all it, it's wild because it reminds me of how Buck used to handle the bullpen. Like when Buck was here, that the Orioles bullpen was the was a key. You know what I mean? It was a key. Sure. So, I mean when you have when you have uh, Britton O'Day and Brock out in your bullpen, you, you tend to look pretty good, exactly. right? Yeah. And that's kind of the way that's happened this year. Yeah. So it's amazing. Like it's, it's kind of it's funny how you know certain things people want to change in baseball. The same thing typically still helps the team win baseball games. All right, so. How much I'm speaking of a manager I mentioned Buck, but you know Brandon Hyde manages this team. How how much credit does he deserve for this team's fine play? You know, I, it's funny you ask that because I get asked that question a lot about like what do I think about you know, Hyde and and do I think he's going to be the long term guy here? And here's what I always tell him: I have the same answer every time. You cannot judge Hyde on what his win loss record has been since he's been here. Great. It's clear to anybody that he has been given no talent up until this year. And that, or very little talent, I should say. I mean, I was a few guys here and there, but there was no way he could win with the guys he had. This is the first team that you now can see him making some moves, making some little things here and there. Look, we can always argue about a pitching, you know, or you shouldn't have pulled this guy. It, look, it happens to every manager, right? Um, but what I see is you have a bunch of guys that like him, they respect him, they play hard. You never see the team coming out and, and doing stupid things. Um, you know, that's a sign of a manager that's, that's doing some right things. And, and I think the other thing is I think baseball's changed a little bit in that, you know, some of the decisions I think they like lineup decisions, who's going to be available pitching wise. Um, I think a lot of that's done pregame, right? So, and I think it's, I think it's not just, the old days of, of, you know, Buck Showalter sitting in his office coming out with a lineup. I think that stuff is developed between analytics, between SIG, between other folks that kind of go through all the scouting reports, look at what they think is the best lineup. Um, I'm sure Hyde has, has say in it. I'm sure he has, a, you know, he's, he's part of that conversation, especially when it comes down to the health of players and, and what he's been seeing. But it's not like the old days where I think the, the manager did a whole lot of things in a vacuum. Um, and, I, and I think baseball like that as a whole 
is is like that. So really what you need out of your manager is a good leader. You know, you need a good leader, a guy who understands it, who accepts uh, some of the old school stuff. But I mean, but also I should say understands the old school stuff, but understands and accepts some of the new school analytics stuff. And it's pretty clear he does with all that stuff. I think he's got, you know, obviously I think he deserves an opportunity with a good team, with good talent. If, you know, we're three years from now and the team has a lot of talent and they're not doing well, then maybe he's not your guy. But he certainly deserves a chance to to keep winning with this court group. Yeah, I, I've liked what he's done for the ball club. I actually, you know, become – I've I actually seen, seen that, you know, for me – I can tell, like, the losing – like, for any competitor, losing hurts. And I can tell for him it didn't hurt. And to your point, right. it was like, you know, it, he understood the process, though. You know what I mean? Like, he understood mm-hmm. what they were doing because they had to kind of build a farm system. So they had to kind of, t- you know, basically tank. And right. so that's what they did. And it obviously is rough for anybody who's a manager and wanting – because all you want to do is win. You want to win ball games. I don't care who you are. You want to win ball games. <laughs> um, but, yeah. That's that's one thing I was like anybody that would take away this team from him yeah. after all the losing he had to do that would be one of the cruelest things I've ever seen in my life exactly. because you know I don't know what his overall record is compared to all time managers mm. but it has to be one of the lowest you know winning percentages right now oh, right and it, like yeah. so <laughs> but again it's clear you know and I know people say well you know there was like the Dave Trembleys of the world or were kind of just stop gaps that's never what Hyde was never you know that he was never that guy he wasn't like an old school guy sitting in the sitting in your minor league system that you go let me give him a chance for a couple of years and then when you know we're ready we'll move on which is you know again Dave Trembley was a good baseball man but it was clear that's what their that's where their thought was when they made him manager. Mm-hmm. That was never like that with Hyde. Yes. I think he's a guy that he remember this is a guy that was highly thought of uh, as a coach with the Cubs. He you know, he worked under Madden. He worked under some uh, McKeon at times. I mean, he's had some of the best baseball minds who he was a coach for. So this guy has has all the training. He was a guy that other teams were. Con- liked so it wasn't like they just went and got a you know anybody and gave him a shot this is a guy that really uh i think is going to be a very good manager when it's all said and done all right so before i let you go i do have one question and you pretty much mentioned it a little bit but i do want to get your opinion can this team sustain this play and possibly possibly contend for a playoff spot well, you know, you can never say never uh, when it comes down to that. I mean, they're three and a half games out of the final wild card spot. Uh, now, granted, there's one, two, three, four, four teams, five teams ahead of them. So that means they have to play better than all five of those teams. Um, you, you can't say never, you know. Um, but I would say that I still think it's going to be a little bit of a surprise if that happens. The Orioles, uh, you know, of the last when they were having these winning streaks, uh, you know, they were playing a lot of guys, a lot of teams in the central, um, you know, they're going to be playing, you know, a lot more of the Tampa's, the Boston's, the, Yan- you know, and they need to play Yankees hard, but they're going to be playing a lot of these guys in their own division. Even Toronto's good this year. So they've got a lot of good teams to still play a lot. And, and as much as I do think this team's exciting and it's better, um, there's still things that you look at, you know, they're still starting, you know, I mean, I'm still looking down there and, and we're seeing Tyler Nevin still getting starts. We're seeing, <laughs> um, you know, as much as I, as much as, I mean, no, and, and we're still seeing Odor playing second base. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, look, Odor is a great guy in the clubhouse. It's clear, right? Yeah. You can just see he oozes. Uh, he's the kind of guy you want on your team when it comes to being in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, he's the first guy out there with the chain and putting on a homer. I mean, you yeah. can tell he just loves to play baseball, but let's just be honest. I mean, he's hitting 202. He's got 656 OPS. Yeah, he's going to hit some homers for you, but he's not a very good player overall. That's not the kind of guy you want starting for you if you're a real contender. So I think there's still a little bit of holes in here they got to fill. I think Adley's obviously trying to get his – you know, his own legs underneath him. He's going to be better. He obviously has been better, but there's going to be ups and downs with him in his first year. Um, I never expected him to be an impact guy the second he arrived. Um, so it's just one of those kind of transition years where you're, you're, you're seeing some talent. There's still a couple of holes, but those holes are going to be filled very quickly with guys coming out of that minor league system. So I think next year is a much better 
time when the Orioles should go into next season thinking they are wild card contenders, okay. right? And I hope the year after that, I'm hoping that we're thinking they are uh, division winning, you know, uh, uh, contenders. You know, that's kind of the timeline they should be on. I hope so too. Actually, I have one. I do have one more question. Since you like, since you are, since you are a scout, there's this player I've been waiting for for a while. You haven't been mentioned, but he was he was a part he was a part of the trade to the Dodgers. I want to say I forgot which player was it. I'm thinking about Diaz. His name is Diaz. Use me as Diaz. Yeah, I've been waiting on Diaz. Like, what's, up, <laughs> what's going on with Diaz? Like, I was told that he was supposed to be like the, the guy, and and he hasn't been up. Yeah. Other than September, he's only up in September. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think we only ever see him in spring training because right after right after spring training, it gets hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just been mired in injuries. Um, he, he, you know, this this is a guy that hasn't had, you know, over 400 play appearances in a season since he was with the Dodgers organization. Yeah. Um, he just can't stay healthy. He's had several injuries. It's not just one consistent one. He's it's just every time he turns around, it's something. It's it's a hamstring. It's a it's a oblique. It, it's it's always something, and he just can't stay on the field. And when he has stayed on the field. He's had trouble being consistent with his offensive game. You know, he doesn't have much. He's a guy with a lot of like tools when you watch him, but he he doesn't. He's never developed a plan at the plate. He still doesn't. You know, he's. It's not like he's thinking through as a bat. He's not thinking. You know, he's the kind of guy that you can throw three straight. You know, sliders outside and he'll swing at all three of them. Like he didn't learn the first two times. That's what they're trying to do to him. So you'll see that. But the say saying that, and I say that. You'll also see him do some really good things, and and you'll see him. I mean, trust me that he has plus plus power when he gets a hold of balls. Uh-huh. When he get a ball five hundred feet, um, he play a decent outfield, but he's not super fast. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to say, oh, he's a, he's a game changer defensively. You know, he'll be okay. He'll be similar like Santander is for you out there oh, okay. defensively. Okay. So. You know, at this point, I've got him downgraded to maybe a fourth outfielder kind of guy. I don't think he's ever going to be um, who who they thought they were getting. But the good news is Dean Kramer has pitched well this year. And obviously, if, if Dean Kramer can continue to pitch, he ends up being a starting pitcher, you're going to take that for your turn. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, Art, well, you know, thanks for being on the show. Hey, could you tell our listeners how they can hit you up on social media or anything else, anything else you would like to plug? This has been a, This has been amazing. I've enjoyed this thoroughly. <laughs> well, great. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. And uh, obviously, you can go to OriolesHangout.com. Uh, our message board is really where most of the activity is. You just go up to the top, hit message board. You can sign up for free, join in on the conversation. The best thing about our conversation there is is it is pure sports talk. It is pure uh, we all talk about the Orioles. There's lots of different activities, but there's no uh, the wild, wild west in in out there where there's not cursing. We don't allow people to talk down to others. People, um, we, we try to have people that want to have really high quality conversations and, and it's so many good people go there. You get so much information. The second there's any kind of news, literally that's the first place I go to my message board because I know someone's already has links up. They've already had all the information that you could possibly want about what's going on. Plus a whole conversation already about the move. So it's amazing. Um, we, we do a lot of stuff on prospects there. We do things on the international, uh, we'll, we'll have stuff on the international signings when that happens in, in, in January. So really from the time somebody gets assigned all the way to the, to when they're playing for the Orioles, you can follow their progress there on OriolesHangout.com. Well, I'm going to check it out. Hey, thank you, Tony. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm hope to have you on again because this has been awesome. To be honest with you, as an old, as All right, old man. man, this has been great. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it anytime. All right, take care. Yep, you too. All right. And again, that is Tony Penty. Make sure you follow uh, Orioles Hangout on Twitter at Orioles Hangout. Again, at Orioles Hangout. All right. As part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our interview with Grambling State University football coach Hugh Jackson after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saint for Aegis Yiddig Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED, 
Blue Chew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code URBAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code URBAN to receive your first month free. Welcome back to the Urban Sports Scene. And it's, of course, it is time for our HBCU Corner segment. Again, check us out at Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. So for the first time in a while, Wally, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I can I can say that I don't need to introduce this guest for real. Like this guy needs no introduction. However, this is the urban sports scene, so this is what we do. So with that being said, I now have the privilege of welcoming our special guest who has over three decades of coaching experience at both the professional and the collegiate level. The early stages of his journey saw our guest serve as graduate assistant at his alma mater, the University of the Pacific. His many stops along his coaching track include stints at Cal as well as USC. Our guest also served as an assistant right here in our own backyard while coaching the running backs, in addition to being offensive coordinator for what is now known as the Washington Commanders. Back then it was the Washington Redskins, of course. His success ultimately resulted in our guest being named head coach of the Cleveland Browns in 2016. And just during, and just like during his time there, we got to see a glimpse of what his hard work led him to when he was featured on HBO's award-winning series, Hard Knocks. He's currently the head coach at the historic Grambling State University. Welcome to the Urban Sports Team, Mr. Hugh Jackson. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a great time there in uh, D.C. Uh, with the commanders, Redskins, <laughs> what we all call them. But, uh, no, that was a fun time for me in my career. Had a lot of time, a lot of fun which kind of, like you said, it kind of spearheaded me to become a, a two-time NFL head coach at Oakland and Cleveland. Yeah, you did, and I, I, I want to say this, because I remember watching that Oakland team. You did a good job with the, with the Raiders. You really did. Jason Campbell, the quarterback, you did a really good job with that team. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Thank you. And I was mm-hmm. fortunate to get Jason, have him for a little while, but I was fortunate to work with Al Davis. Al Davis uh, mm-hmm. was one of my champions, one of the champions of my career, truly believed in me, and I believed in him. We had an unbelievable relationship, and I sure hate losing him in 2011. Mm. I know. Well, Coach, we took over here. We're fans of homecomings and whatnot. So our question to you is, have you experienced an HBCU homecoming? And if you did, what was that experience like? I experienced one at Tennessee State, and it was great, you know? Mm. But not like I think I'm experienced at Grambling. I, I <laughs> way different. But the the culture, the food, the entertainment, you know, people come to watch the band, you know, they they want to see that more so they want to see the football game. I'm like, wait a minute, we got some good stuff going on out of here. And they wanted to see all the other stuff. We got a penalty to start the second half because the band was still on the field. Are you kidding me? Wow. But no, there's nothing like it. Um, It is really a great time. Uh, You get all the fraternities and sororities. They're really about uh, coming out and supporting that homecoming. But homecomings at HBCUs are like nothing anybody's ever seen. Mm. So you're excited to experience a Grambling homecoming? I surely am because I've heard so much about it. I hear there's no place to park. There's no place to walk. There's no place to do anything. I can't wait for the campus to overflow from that. So, Coach, we're going to dive right into it. So, in December of 2021, you were announced as the head coach of Grambling State University. What made you want to choose Grambling? Well, first, I would say to you what would make me not want to choose mm, Grambling. Love it. Love great it. Eddie G. Robinson, coach, one of the greatest coaches mm. in the history of football. If I wasn't going to get a chance to go do it the way I wanted to, why would I not go back and see if I can make Grambling State University uh, back to where it used to be among the King Kongs of the HBCUs because of what Coach Eddie Robinson did, knowing the history of it and the tradition of it, and four Hall of Famers played there. My question was, why would I not go there and try to survive that program? Absolutely. So, 
Coach, I'm going to cut right to the chase. I know you've been asked this question before. You have over three decades of coaching experience. You only look old enough to have been coaching for 30 years, to be honest. But how has that experience helped in your recruiting at Grambling? You know, I've seen it all and kind of done it all. I've, I've coached and recruited Heisman Trophy winners to mm -hmm. guys who've been all pros, to guys who've been just NFL players. So I, I kind of have a vision of what it looks like, you know, and so I can impart that to my staff. We can go build a roster that best fits us so I can help in that area. I've coached every offensive position. I've coached on defense. I've coached on special teams. So it's not a phase of offense, defense, or, or special teams I haven't coached. Um, I've been involved with some, some high-caliber quarterbacks, and um, that's where it all starts. At the end of the day, you got to have a quarterback uh, to win, and you got to have a good offensive line to protect him. you got to have good people to throw to him, you know. So I know what that looks like. So the experience of running an organization – uh, recruiting players at a high level, I know what that's like. So I've been able to put all those things in place uh, here at Grambling, and that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So, Coach, then what, what are your goals for the 2022 season, and what will be your team's identity? Well, the goal is to truly change the culture. First and foremost, get back to winning, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's why they hired me. They hired me to bring winning to the university. Uh, I accept that challenge. My staff does too. You know, in our business, people have to understand what your business is about. It's about winning and graduate your student athletes. So we got to do that at a high level. And I understand that. And then I want our players to experience one of the greatest times in their careers. I want them to earn a degree and, and do something worthwhile with their lives while winning a ton of football games. So in order to do that, we got to be as good off the field as we got to be on the field because they all go hand in hand. So we have to do the things off the field that gives us the best chance to be successful on the field. And that's going to class, being very accountable, taking care of business, being fundamentally sound when it comes to football and doing the things that good football teams do. Coach, you mentioned Coach Robinson uh, earlier when you were talking and it just made me think about the historical nature of HBCU football I'm sure you recognize this is the right time to be a head coach at HBCU, but just expound a bit. What does it mean to you to be coaching at HBCU? It means that I, I, for me personally, I've been through the whole gamut, right? I mean, I've done the Power Five college deal. I've done the National Football League, and now I've come to what people say is an HBCU, and it is. But I, honestly, I get tired of talking about HBCU football because we're no different than anybody else. You know, we play great football. There's great coaches in our conference. There's great football players. And that stigma to me a little bit means that we're less than, you know? Yeah, no, we might not have the same resources as everybody, but every school don't have the same resources neither. So, but we got football players, you know, and our football players are seen, seen a little bit different than power five football players. But last time I checked, they got two legs and two arms and one head. It, it, it's no different. So, I want to try to change that. I want to be able to give back and say, we're playing just a good football, great coaching, great environments. Look, you said it earlier. Our homecomings are a whole lot different than these other homecomings nice. because they're special. So <laughs> I want to put us back on the map. And Deion Sanders has done a great job. Eddie George has done a good job. You know, Coach uh, Simmons down the family has done a good job. There's a lot of great coaches in this conference. So we need to have the same standards as everybody else. Real quick, as a follow-up, I have felt like that before, especially in regards to the HBCU combine for the NFL. So should we get rid of that? Does it need to be a separate combine for HBCU players? Based I hope what you just said. in the future, because I think these guys are just as comparable as the other guys. You know, I, I do. I mean, that's and that's what I'm talking about. And we had to, Dion had to really get mad about there being no draft picks from the HBCUs to get this combine. Well, you just said it. Why do we need that combine? Just, in, just invite more players to the freaking combine <laughs> and give some of these guys an opportunity. Let them compete on a daily basis with these people, whether it be in the meetings when they have those individual meetings or whether it be on the field when they're doing the drills. And so you can see firsthand where these guys stack because I truly believe talent stacks itself. And I think there's some very talented players in our conference. Like you mentioned earlier, Coach, there are a bunch of talented players in, in, in your conference. So what would you tell a top recruit 
who was thinking about going to an HBCU or going to Grambling and about and telling them in compare if they're thinking about say going to Alabama, what would you tell them about? Come on and play for me. Come on and play for me for this reason. We're gonna create an environment for you to be great. You're gonna get coached like you've never been coached before. Fundamentally, emotionally, spiritually, we're gonna help mm. you where you need to be, and then we're gonna give you an opportunity to earn an unbelievable degree and do something worthwhile with your life. So why would you not go to HBCU? Preach. I'm with it. I'm so with it. Hey, Coach, this has been dope. Uh, thanks for being on. Is there anything you would like to add? No, what I like to add is I would hope that the fans, you know, really start to watch the HBCU games at a whole different level. You know, I, and I get it, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but I know sometimes when you watch the NFL and they go watch USL football, right? It looks a little And so I get that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about college football players that could play at the Power 5 schools, just like Power 5 players could play at the HBCU schools. That's why a lot of those guys are coming from the portals to play at our schools. So it's not very different here. We're not coaching any different. We're not running any different plays than what they run. We're not creating any other different environments. So why not come to an HBCU and why not get behind this movement and watch the HBCU games at a different level? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, Coach, thanks for being on HBCU Corner. We appreciate it. Thank you so Thank much. You guys. Thanks appreciate for coming you. Back. Give, give us a follow on Twitter, brother. We, we see you now. <laughs> you got it. Yes, sir. All right, Coach. All right, man. Take care now. Thanks Take again. Care. All right. Bye-bye. Coach, Grambling State University coach, Hugh Jackson. Dope dude, man. You see, the Urban Sports team, man, one thing we do, we do it big. You know what I mean? Do it real big. Appreciate, you know, appreciate them. You know, HBCU Corner is growing. This movement is, this, this movement is legit. You know what I'm saying? Hands down, it's definitely legit. Hey, before we left, before we end this show, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, follow us on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene, IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Hey, check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene, Amplifier Media at AmplifierMedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the, download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amplifier shows as well as other great content. Hey, thanks for thanks for tuning in. You know we appreciate you all. And hey, keep showing us love. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Saying for I just Yiddig Deuces A Mega. Lead us out big, homie. Yes. Yeah.